Well, hey, isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord, whether you're online or in person? Oh, it's so good to be together and to sense God's spirit moving. If you're online, you can drop for our chat host so they know you're there. The phrase created for more. Can you say that here with me? Created for more. As we were worshiping and as we continue in this series, We Are One, I just have such a sense that, that God wants us to understand we are created for more. And that more is centered on Jesus, on his kingdom purposes, his will, and that with that reality is this life of discipleship of what does it look like together to follow Jesus. And I want you to know that that's all I'm about. That's why I'm doing this. That's why I'm in ministry. That's why I've been serving as a pastor for years. Is because Jesus did something in my life that radically changed me. And because he changed me, I wanted to see others experience that. So church is all right when we understand it within context. See, church is the body of Christ. And that body is meant to worship Jesus, to follow Jesus, and to extend his kingdom, his reign and rule. That's what I'm all about. And that's what I believe God has for us as we look to him and as we look at what does it mean that he's created us for more. A few years back, my wife Cindy and I, we're in our 20th year of marriage, y'all. It's crazy. It goes by so fast. Some of you, we, we actually were corrected recently by somebody that was like, 20? Oh, you're just a young pup still, right? I think they were coming up on 50 or 60 years. But 20 is, it's incredible, and in, uh, about six years ago, we had some, some people that had gifted us with an opportunity to get away. It was kind of a second honeymoon. And uh, so we went to Cabo. And uh, in Cabo, uh, I realized that, that, and I already knew this about myself, but I love speed. And, and so th that's the Baja Peninsula. And so we were told, hey, there's these Baja racers, these razors. They're like these dune buggies. And they're two-seaters, which was a mistake. We'll get to that in a minute. And uh, so we, we got in this razor together. We're near the ocean. And there's a whole group. There's like 30 of us that, that are in these things and headed out. And, uh, you know, we start out kind of easy, and then pay, the speed picks up, and things start moving a little faster, and I'm like, I, yes, this is what I was created for. I was created for more speed, more wind in my face, more sand, more ocean, and so we're going and going. I'm looking down at the speed, speedometer. We're up over 70, and I mean, it's just moving, and I'm having a great time. And then uh, after a few minutes, I look to my right. Any other hard-headed husbands in the, the mix? All right. I look over at, at my bride, and she's having a different experience than me. <laughs> look of sheer terror, tears. I mean, I'm like, this moment that I'm like is so life-giving is absolutely not for her. She's being traumatized, and, and then, then I, I wish I could say immediately, I was like, oh, I need to adjust for her, but I, I had to pray about it. Like, I had to, <laughs> like, Lord, I put the money into this. You know, I actually, I was so, so, like, thick-skulled in that moment. I looked at her, and I said, honey, uh, but all of them are going this fast. We should, too. Uh, so anyway, God got a hold of me. We slowed down. We moved to the back. We had a great time to finish. 
But I, I, I realized in that moment that it is so easy sometimes to get caught up in our own lane, our own way of doing things. And we can get moving on something and even in following Jesus and forget that, that Jesus has put people to our left and our right. People that he's put in our pathway, that, that he wants us, whether it's in our home, our neighborhood, or our church family, to love one another. To really see one another and to, to share love. And, and that's our mission as a church just to remind you, I mean, Jesus summed it up. We've just taken what Jesus said as the, the two most important commandments. We want to love God and love all people in our pathway. And as we're in this series, it's actually Dallas Willard that years ago said that the first act of biblical love is the giving of attention. It's actually slowing down enough to give attention to those that are around us whether it's in the church or in our home or in the community, the people that, that God has placed there, that as we slow down and as we give them attention, what we're doing is saying, you're loved. And that love is powerful. It, it leads to unity. Let, let me show you actually where a lot of this series is flowing from in the book of Ephesians. Uh, we'll go through the whole book this summer. But in Ephesians chapter 4, verses uh, 4 through 6, Jumping ahead to, to kind of what is a core message that Paul, the writer, is giving the church. Here's what he says. He says, there is one body, say one, and one spirit. Just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Jesus is it. And he calls us to this sense of unity. And when we slow down enough to see that, we see that, that God's body, both that pathway as a church home, but also out in our community and then globally, is made up of different parts with different gifts and different callings. But God calls us, for centered on Jesus, to be one. Been here about seven months now, and I've had the privilege of meeting with over 12 of our local pastors individually, just breaking bread together, getting to know them. That should excite us because in the kingdom of God, we aren't to compete. We actually are part of this broader picture of the body that when we begin to see other churches as our brothers and sisters, as we begin to see the advancement of the kingdom and Jesus being glorified as what it's all about, when we begin to see that, we begin to experience and taste what Paul is talking about here. But sometimes before we can get to that, we got to get to it in here. We, we got to begin to see and understand what is God saying to us as a church? How is he leading us? How are we going to love God and love the people around us? And so we're created for more, and if you want to go back two chapters to Ephesians 2, we're going to unpack 10 verses today, and uh, as we get into this, Paul is writing to a church in Ephesus. It's a, a church that is in great spaces and doing quite well despite the pressures of the context they're in. There is a culture that is trying to press into them their ideals, their values, the things that they think they should be about. And Paul, in particular, in chapter 1, had reminded them, hey, you have a different identity. You have a different inheritance. And as followers of Jesus, there's an immeasurable power that is given to you to live this out. 
And then in chapter 2, he begins to, to shift just enough to expose some of what they're facing, to expose some of the pressures and the things that are coming at them. And how many of you know when you leave this building today or you turn off that stream online that there's some pressure coming at you? We can, we're in this together, okay? It wasn't a hard question. <laughs> there are things coming at you that you're going to face that are going to try to distract you, discourage you, and divide you from the things that God has. And so Paul here begins to call some of that out and to tell them, hey, you're created for more. You're created for more than death's downward spiral. That in fact, there's a world that has a downward spiral, a downward trajectory that is only going to lead to destruction and death. This is where we start today, as Paul says this to them in verse 1. He says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, Following the prince of the power of air, the spirit is, that is now at work, and the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Paul is letting them know, listen, you and us today, you are more than this downward spiral that's all around you. You are more than the things that the world is trying to label you and put around you. You see, without Jesus, Paul is saying, we are walking on the wrong road. That in fact, without Jesus, without following Jesus, we are walking on the wrong road, that the world has a road and has a path, pathway. My kids told me to quit using pathway so much. So I'm trying to not do that, but I just did it, so that ruined that. <laughs> but there's this, this fork in the road that Paul is saying, listen, you, you, you're going down this road, and Jesus has more for you. The road that you're on, he's, he's saying, if you're not following Jesus, is a road that is filled. Did you notice the things he called out? He called out disobedience, following our way instead of God's way. A road that ultimately leads to destruction. Paul says there that there's this spirit, this prince of the air that, that is actually causing some of the disobedience and the destruction in our world. There's a kingdom that is not Jesus's. And it's dark and it's evil. Scripture tells us it's led by Satan. In Ephesians 6, it talks about the principalities and the host of wickedness. And those things are there to try to get us off track. So there's this destruction and then a defacing that ultimately leads to death. You see, when we begin to allow the things of God to be defaced, the beauty of who Jesus is, the, the amazing reality of what his church is meant to be in his kingdom, when we allow the world around us to deface that to the point where we bring the world into the church, when we allow the world to shape our view of the church versus Jesus' view, it begins to deface and devalue 
The very things that God has said, these are meant to be a gift to you. Anybody else feel like, oh, this is happening all around me? He goes on, though, and I I don't want to miss this. I don't want to miss what he says here about the word desires. Carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. We live in a day and age right now where desire has become an idol. We don't like that word. We don't like to talk about it, do we? Where where we've literally elevated desire to a place where it is a high value in our contemporary culture. And if our desires and feelings are leading the way versus Jesus, Paul is saying you're in trouble. He's saying that if desire is the thing, your desires, not shaped by God, are only going to lead to death and destruction. Romans chapter 3, Paul writes this as well. He says this, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Christ Jesus for who? For all who believe. It says, for there is no distinction for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Paul is saying in both of these spaces, listen, get off that road. Get on Jesus' road and path. Follow him. Allow him to lead you. And here's the thing. You may be sitting there individually saying, oh, I'm, I'm better than them or him or her. Have you ever been there? No? You're there right now. We can compare, and here's what I've learned. I've been cycling around town, and and it doesn't matter. I can think I'm killing it on a ride, and there'll be somebody slower than me that makes me feel really good about myself, and then there'll be somebody that blows by me like I'm not even on that bike. And that's why we have to understand it isn't comparing to others. Paul's saying, listen, we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We all are dead in our trespasses. It's inviting us to more, to not allow our desires to get in the way. By the way, uh, this isn't in the notes, but Psalm 37, 4, love this verse. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. We serve a good God who when we get into relationship with him, he shapes our desires and then he gives us his desires for us and it's a beautiful thing but we've allowed this to get out of whack in our current and contemporary society so verse four check this out here's what happens next but god say but But. you know it's it's amazing how this particular but is so significant It's one that just as we read on is going to keep growing and growing. In fact, if you're taking notes, we're created for more. We're created to grow in the grace and the gifts that God has given us. And and as you hear this, Paul is saying, listen, this was once your trajectory. This was once your reality. But God, that God has done something. And here is what he has done. But God, being rich in mercy... 
because of the great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together, say together, with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of the grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. I'm going to just pause there for a minute. Paul is saying, listen, God has done something that you couldn't do, that I couldn't do. His mercy and his grace is so rich. We didn't earn it. We don't deserve it. But it's a gift. And he's saying, listen, as that gift is given to you, there's a kindness and a mercy and a grace that I want these, these things to grow in your life. It says it then is that we find we're made alive, made alive together. This is the reminder that, that Jesus comes and he says, I want you to do life with me, together with Jesus and with one another. Anybody else feel like we live in a culture of isolation? An individualism? And if the pandemic didn't make you lonely, maybe just life has. One of the gifts that we see here of growing in grace is realizing God, God hasn't designed us to do life alone. We're designed to do life, he says, together with him and with one another. So it goes on, verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. As we look at growing in the gifts of grace, uh, if you're still watching online, drop an emoji. There's a little sprout. It looks like Groot or something. Drop that on there. Let our host know you're still there and listening. In here, I want you to say this phrase with me. Growing in the gifts of grace. Growing in the gifts of grace. You see, in my life growing up, I received that amazing grace, that belief in Jesus, that, that moment of salvation where, where I knew who Jesus was and what he had done for me. But in many ways, the grace of God quit growing in my life. I was pretty young growing up in the church when that happened, and, and I'll never forget when I was actually a little bit older and, and hired at a camp, and, and I'm there during training, and I'm sitting in a chair, and as I'm sitting in this chair during the training, they're talking, I'm 19 years old at the time, and they're talking about what does it look like to surrender to the Lord? What, what does it look like to actually not just believe in Jesus, but to follow Jesus, to, to be growing with Jesus. And at that point in my life, I, I had kind of done this. I had, I had opened one hand to the Lord, one part of my life, and kept the other for myself, because that works out well, by the way. <laughs> Sarcasm intended. And so I found myself in that moment kind of torn and wrestling with this reality and, and, and realizing that I had opened the gift of grace, the gift of, of salvation, if you will, that, that I had opened up that gift. I don't know what's in here, by the way. And I had kind of set it off to the side. And I had, as I had set it off to the side, I didn't realize that there was more that God had. I guess it's a chip box. <laughs> didn't I say last week to quit giving me chips? 
And so I, I didn't realize that there was more. You ever, you ever had that experience where you're at a, a party, like a birthday gift, and, and like you, you trick the little kid, right? Or maybe the big kid, I don't know. And, and there's a gift within the gift. Well, well, this was my moment where I realized there's two or three more in here. I'm not going to go through the exercise with you. You get the point. You're getting where what I'm trying to lay out for you is that there's more that, that Paul is saying, listen, you received salvation, but I have more of his grace I want you to grow in. That that grace wasn't just to cover your sins once so you could go to heaven, but it's to cover your sins daily. It's to allow you to experience the richness and the mercy of God, his love, so you can share that with the world around you. It's meant to grow. I remember sitting there and fighting God so hard, not wanting to, to give up. And I could tell you that that moment radically transformed my life because there was this, this moment where I let go. I would not be sitting here if it wasn't for that moment. I was on a path that believed in Jesus but was on a path of a downward spiral. The only reason I'm here, the only reason I'm able to do what God has called me to do today is because of his grace that is growing in me. And here's the thing about this. When you come to that place of saying, I want more, I want more of his grace, I want more of his goodness, it really is an act of surrender to say, Lord, I need more of you. And this is what Paul is saying is, listen, he wants to bring you alive. He wants to give you more. Grace is God's unmerited favor. Paul describes these gifts of grace, and I've described them to you, but he mentions mercy and love, life, grace itself that's God's favor to do what he's called you to do, kindness. And then did you catch in verse 9? says, so that no one may boast. There's a gift of grace of humility. And I don't know about you, but when I get around like really churchy people, really religious people, I don't always see humility. Anybody else? You see, there's no boast in what we know and who we are that is supposed to point people to us. He's saying the boast is in Jesus and what Jesus has done and what Jesus is continuing to do. There's a grace that is meant to grow in our lives and to transform our world. Verse 24 of Romans chapter three says this, we are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God put forth as a appropriation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness, not ours, right? Because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. You see, Jesus' church this body that he's pulling together in unity is meant to be a place where grace is growing, where we're owning that we need him. Without him, we are nothing. Diedrich Bonhoeffer, the 
pastor, theologian from Germany said this about the community of saints. He said, the community of the saints of the church is not an ideal community consisting of perfect and sinless men and women where there is no need of further repentance. No, it is a community which proves that is worth of the gospel of forgiveness by constantly and sincerely proclaiming God's forgiveness. It is a community of men and women who have genuinely encountered the precious grace of God who walk worthily of the gospel by not casting that grace recklessly away. That is a vision that Paul is trying to help embed in his church. And the next verse, verse 10, is one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. In fact, in verse 4, when it said, but God, it was almost like we were hearing that, that, tele, you know, that talk show host, but wait, there's more, right? 1999, but wait, there's more. And, and as this is unfolding, it then comes to this place that's like the climax of this moment that Paul is giving to the church. It's verse 10. Here's what verse 10 says. It says, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This passage is showing us, listen, Jesus has done it. Jesus wants to grow in you. Jesus places you in community with new belonging. And as a result, Jesus has a plan and a purpose for you, that he has more for you. That he has more that he wants to do and, and works in you, on you, and through you if you're taking notes. That we serve a God. The first part of that verse is the word poma. It's where we get the word poem. It's an artistic word that talks about you and I as his masterpiece. Now, I, I got to be honest with you. I didn't look in the mirror today and say, oh, there's a masterpiece. <laughs> Maybe you did. I didn't. Okay? But Jesus looks at us. And he says, you, because of his blood, his grace, are my masterpiece. And part of what happens is the spirit begins to work in us. Philippians 1.6 says that very spirit carries his work on to completion. So it works in us. It also works on us. It's almost like God says, okay, I know you've got some rough edges. Hello, anybody else? I know you've been through some things and done some things, so I'm going to start working on you and reshaping you because I want to work through you. There's an amazing piece of art Michelangelo chiseled years ago, sculpture of David. And when he was asked, how did you do and create this incredible work of David? He said, I just brought out what was already in the rock. He chiseled away everything to bring out what was already in there. That's what God wants to do in our life. He, he wants to work in us and on us and through us because he has so much more. And here's the thing that I think Paul is getting at is that we aren't conformed to the world around us. We aren't conformed to the image of the world or the culture we live in, but we're conformed to the image of Christ. Romans 8, Paul says it this way, verse 29. For those whom he foreknown, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. 
So the question then becomes, right? How are we receiving the more? What are we doing with it? How are we taking that out to the world around us? A few months ago, I issued a challenge to our church family. Uh, in fact, you could go to pathwayvb.com slash neighboring card. And, and the question was asked, we have the image here of this card of, do you know your neighbors and the works in advance that God has called you to and prepared you for? And the question was, could you fill in those homes with the names of your neighbors? Because that's like ground zero, right? Do you even know their names? And then, do you believe that God has called you to do works in advance? That, that maybe, in fact, to love God and love all people in our pathway, we've made it a little more complex than it needs to be. That, in fact, for you, it isn't that you need to love everybody in Vero. You need to love the people that he's placed in your pathway in Vero. You don't need to place, wherever you are online watching this, everybody, because that's overwhelming. But you definitely need to love and to serve the people he's placed around you. See, part of my passion is not that we just come here on the weekend for a great message and great worship and a great experience, but that we're conformed in the image of Christ, that we go out and serve and do the works that he's called us to because he said you are a masterpiece and our world needs what he's putting in you, what he's doing on you, and what he wants to do through you. We're going to take this a little bit further today. I'm going to invite my friend uh, Eric Smith up to join me right now. Eric is our board chair, but this is not a board chair kind of moment. This is a moment of saying, Eric, you leave here just like everybody else on a, how you doing? <laughs> oh, better in a few minutes. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> I love getting up here. Yeah, yeah. So, so Eric, you're, you're like everybody else here. You have a Monday through Saturday that you go to that, that the things that God is doing in you and on you are ultimately flowing through you. And, and I, I guess really what I was curious about, because you have so much that you do during the week in this community uh, that, that some can relate to because you're going to jobs and homes and neighborhoods. Uh, can you tell everyone a little bit about just like when you leave here, what does life look like for you? Yeah, well, first and foremost, it's just uh, humbling. When Brian asked me to do this, um, yeah, I initially was like, yeah, no, yeah. Uh, we're, we're not, we're not going to do that. Uh, you know, this is, uh, takes me out of my comfort zone. I don't uh, prefer talking about myself. Um, and he said, uh, and he really challenged me on that. Um, I think even Cindy called me out on it. She said, well, that's a real pride issue, Eric. <laughs> so thank you, Cindy. I don't know if you're in here, but next uh, service, thank you. She said, hey, that, that's a pride issue in that. And uh, I said, oh, you know, dig a little deeper on that, Cindy. And uh, just saying, hey, listen, you know, it's, you know, I, I know you, and it's, it's in your weakness that God uses you. And I said, yeah. Mm. She's like, well, maybe that's what the people need to see. It, it, it's, in, it's in your weakness. And so... You know, first and foremost, as I said, it's humbling, but uh, just understanding, uh, obviously, as, as we walk out of here, um, you know, I'm involved in, you know, business, and we've got a family uh, business through Bureau Fitness. I also have a healthcare uh, company that uh, own and operate, and so it, it keeps us busy as a family. Um, but in all of that, uh, I have to be reminded of, of who I am, um, and it's not easy. Uh, it's not easy at all. It, it, it's a daily uh, challenge. It's a daily reminder. I have to wake up every single day, I kid you not, and I have to ask myself a question, who am I living for today? Um, it is really, and I'm really good at this, at living for myself. 
Um, I'm really good at being selfish uh, for Eric. Um, and so it's, it's, it's a daily uh, death uh, that I have to die in the morning. And sometimes I have to do it again before noon as well when I recognize, <laughs> wow, this is not trending in the direction I want to, but understanding who God has called me to be. And, you know, you talk about being his workmanship. Uh, you talk about being, you know, uh, created in him uh, to do his work. And so simply I just have to look at the sphere that God has put me in and the people that he's put into to my pathway and say, God, how, how can I love these individuals um, through, through my actions or through my words? How is it that you want to use me today? Um, it, it sounds kind of corny. I'm a sports guy, but um, I do this with my kids when we're backing out of the driveway, uh, taking them on, on to school. Um, I'll, I'll say, all right, hands in, you know, huddle up, you know, and we all put, put our hands in and we just say, hey, God, we're yours today. Uh, use us no matter how big, no matter how small. Maybe it's a simple smile that somebody needs. Maybe it's a conversation. I don't know, but use us today in your name. Amen. Boom. Let's go, kids. Um, and that's a reminder for me um, as I walk into the office um, as you know, the, these people that, that God's entrusted to me to steward. Um, they're his. I'm simply, and he has to remind me this a lot. What did Jesus ride in to Jerusalem on? The donkey, okay? The donkey. And, and he reminds me of that often. I'm using you. You're the donkey that I'm riding in on. You're ushering me in on. So how, Eric, am I wanting to use you today with the people that I'm putting in your pathway? And so I'm reminded of that quite, quite often. Sorry. <laughs> Anybody else stuck on I'm the donkey? I don't know. <laughs> no, I, I love that because, uh, yeah, I appreciate your candor and humility because I think it, it is important for us to remember that, yeah, we are just, it, it's, it's Christ in us. We're, we're this vehicle the, the church, but also us individually. And yeah, I'm not going to forget that moment. That's great. Um, for those, you mentioned earlier, just like, you know, sometimes, some days it's like by noon you need it. Yeah. Other times it may be, may, maybe it's five on your way home, right? Like things went really well at work, but you're headed home and, and you, you still need to be as masterpiece created to good works there. And uh, so what helps for you? What have you found practically that might help people that are like, yeah, I get it, and I struggle. Uh, what, what are some things that maybe help reset you or recenter you during those days and those moments? Yeah, you know, um, I think about uh, part of your message from last week in Ephesians chapter 1, it talks about uh, God calls us to be, to be holy and blameless. Um, and a lot of times that, that, that word holy can really throw us off where we think, you know, like almost borderline halo around our head and wings coming out and whatnot. But really when you look at the, the, the Greek of, of that word, he's calling us to be set apart. He's calling us really to be different. That, that's what that word means, to, to be set apart, to be different. Um, and so when I look at that and I look at my life and I say, is my life, when people look at my life, do they see something different? Do, do they see something that, that makes them go, hmm, that sets apart from maybe the rest of the crowd? And, and what is in that? And I, I'm reminded, um, as I just look out of the cross crowd right now, I, I won't call him out, embarrass him. He may or may not be from uh, Canada. That's as far as I'll go. But a, a good friend of mine, I, I'm sitting in a diner, I kid you not, um, probably uh, two, three months ago. And I'm sitting there, and the gentleman off to my left over here, uh, he just kind of, as I'm eating quietly, he just kind of keeps staring at me. He says, hey, I think I know you. 
and uh, we start talking, and uh, we have a, a mutual friend here, and uh, we just said, ah, he's a great guy, yeah, great guy, is he, you still working there for him? No, no, not working there anymore, Got, you know, kind of moved on, but man, there's something different about that guy. I said, oh yeah, in, in, in what, what way? He said, he, he's just different, he's got something different about him, just I, I don't know, for the industry we're in, and they're in a tough industry where, you know, sometimes, you know, it's hard to let your light shine. Uh, you don't always see that all the time, but he's just, man, that guy just always surprised me because he's just got this thing, this, this faith or God thing about him that just makes you go, hmm. And, and that really stuck with me where I think to myself, as I go throughout my day, um, do I leave a fragrance? Do I, do I leave a trail with the people that I interact with? where it makes them go, hmm, there's something different about him, whether in action, whether in word, no, no matter what, what it might be. Um, and so as, as I go throughout my day, whether it's in the morning, whether it's noon, as I'm getting ready to go home, I have to challenge myself in that to say, hey, how am I different in this? You know, maybe you just had a tough day and the world would say, you know, oh, it's okay, you go home and you be selfish. You walk through that door and say, honey, come on, you know. Like we, we as, as followers of Christ, we don't get that. You know, we, we, we don't get that luxury. We don't get that freedom. And so yeah. um, God reminds me of that often um, that, hey, I've set you, each and every one of us, apart to be different. How are you showing that in your life? And I'll take that one step further. In First Peter, it talks about where he says, be ready with an answer for the hope that is in you. And I think that's what it boils down to for me. Um, you know, when I think about that gentleman sitting at the diner on the counter, he saw a hope in somebody else's life that he didn't necessarily have. And so for us as followers of Christ, do we live where we have this hope inside of us that makes people go, hmm, I want to maybe press into that, or I'm curious about that. Um, and so th those are just the things that God really challenges me with. Uh, mm. You know, I I'd like to say it's on a monthly or, or a weekly basis. Gang, I'll be honest with you, it it's, it's a daily battle. And for me to, you know, sit up here and say, oh, it's super easy every day. And no, it's not. It's not. Mm. Wow. This was better than I even imagined. <laughs> Uh, don't you appreciate, I mean, yes, Eric is serving as our board chair right now, but just to hear somebody be that real about what it looks like to live this out during the week, um, yeah, thank you, yeah. means a lot. I think for each of us, my hope is that, that we take to heart some of these things and realize how much more God has, and I love what Eric said there, that it's daily. God's grace is not a one-time event. It's meant to fill us daily so we can live this. So let me ask you three questions, next step questions, because you can hear a message, but will you apply it? Will you live it? Will you do it, right? That's the question. First is, will you make a U-turn today and receive all that Jesus has for you? You know, if you're on that wrong path or that wrong road, will you turn and say, you know what, maybe there is more. Maybe I need Jesus. Maybe I need to receive the gifts of grace and really surrender. Secondly, will you surrender to God by faith and grow in those gifts of grace? Will you say, Lord, I've been doing it my way. 
I've been defacing or a part of destruction, and, and I'm ready to do it your way. And then third, will you let God work in, on, and through you to serve others? When our faith comes alive, as Paul's talking about, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, every day of the week becomes exciting because you don't know what God prepared for that day. You just get to walk into it and get to see him use you. So I want to pray for us, and then we're going to enter into a time of just responding through praise and worship. It's an amazing song called Promises. Our God is faithful. And wherever you're at today, he is ready to meet you in this moment. And to say, I've created you for more. And so our prayer benches, our altars will be open. We'd, be, we'd love to pray with you. Maybe you need to, to stand. Maybe you need to sit. Maybe you need at home to, to raise your hands or in here. Whatever it looks like, let's not let anything hold us back from responding to the goodness of who God is today. Amen? Amen. In fact, uh, let's stand as I pray. Father, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for your word today. Thank you for Eric's testimony. A testimony that helps us to see maybe what it would look like to live this out. Father, we thank you that in the middle of the culture, the context we live in, that your word is alive and active. And you're calling us to more. You're calling us to more of you, more of your grace, more of what it means to live as your masterpiece and to do the good works you've prepared. So Father, right now I pray for hearts of humility, that we would confess, that we would repent, that we would receive all that you have. Father, if there's anybody that doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, I just ask whether it's online or in person, that right now they would reach out and know that if we confess with our mouth and believe with our heart, we will be saved. We are here to pray with them. We thank you that you are faithful and you are good. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. amen. Let's worship him together.
Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand? God is so good and worthy of our praise. And uh, whatever part of today has touched your heart, I want to encourage you, keep leaning into that. Know that we're here for you, whether it's now or during the week, to help you process that. God has so much more as we follow him. One of the things we want to do right now, you can have a seat very briefly, is uh, celebrate the faithfulness of two of our leaders and staff that have over the years, just poured into the church. Randy and Jamie Miller, this is their last Sunday before sabbatical. And uh, I'm going to bring you guys right out here. We're going to have you come down on the stairs. Uh, If you're here in person online, hopefully you can catch some of this right now. There's a whole section that showed up just for them today. And... uh, So if you guys would like to come up here and join and just surround any board members in the room that would like to come up and join, worship team members as well, Uh, if you're not on platform, uh, you are welcome to come up. And uh, I've asked Eric, our board chair, uh, to just pray over the Millers. We have a a few months here where we're going to watch God work through our incredible worship team. Can we give them a hand? And uh, after 25 years of ministry without this kind of break, we are so excited for Randy and Jamie and what God's going to pour into them this summer as he pours into us. Can I get an amen, church? Amen. All right, I'm going to turn it over to Eric, and he's just going to pray over them, and then uh, we'll close our service.